I traveled a lot. I had long hours. I worked with a lot of different executives on different shows, multiple seasons, you know? So I think I was in the trenches with people for so long that people saw how hard I worked. Well, hey, 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 what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Rock Your Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Boker, a serial entrepreneur on a mission to help you. This show is designed to teach you, to inspire you, to motivate you, to take massive action and build a future-proof business. So whether you're just starting out or taking your existing business to the next level, this is your home. Now, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's rock your brand. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 840, and today I have got an amazing guest that I can't wait to share with you, and there's a lot of great golden nuggets here, but also you may just be like me and want to know, how does someone actually get to where they are today? You might look at that person and go, wow, they're super successful. It was probably, well, it was probably easy, or maybe they fell into something. And that's not usually the case. And today, I'm excited to have on the show Amber Mazzola. And Amber is actually the executive producer for the show, The Profit. Now, if you've ever watched The Prophet, you know Marcus Limonis, and you know that him and her are on the show together at times going over the businesses that Marcus has uh, that's had on the show. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to get her on the show, and actually my wife reached out to her privately and set that up, and she decided to come on and share everything because I said to her, I go, you know, I want to hear about your story. I want to hear about how does someone like you get started and find your way to where you're able to land a TV show like The Prophet. And then the other show that she was part of is Back in the Game with Alex Rodriguez. And that story, you're going to want to stay tuned for that because we almost missed that story. And she reminded me, because I, I reminded her in the beginning, I was like, can we talk about that? And she's like, yeah. And then I almost forgot. And she's like, hey, don't you want to know about that Alex Rodriguez moment? And I go, yeah, that's right, I do. So we went a little bit longer because of that. But you're going to see that... Whenever you look at someone that's successful in any way, now she has a business, she has a brand. So part of me having her on is like, okay, how did your brand even become a thing? And you'll hear also her take action moment was really around not really thinking that she could do what she's doing right now. And she talks all about those, those fears and the thoughts and the self-doubts. And you'll also hear about how she was eight months pregnant and then taking her uh, pilot DVD uh, rushing it across town to get it there to the network so they could see it, uh, so they could possibly accept it. So you're going to hear all about that. But if you are like me and you just like to hear how people got from where they started to where they are and also where they're going, you definitely want to stay tuned. This is an awesome interview and it's just really cool to hear the ins and the outs of how the TV business works, but also how you build a brand inside of this type of market. And you're going to also hear about some of the stories, well, while they were recording The Prophet, and it's not always easy. So you're going to hear all of that as well. Now, some of the shows that she's worked on, I wanted to mention these. Back in the game, Alex Rodriguez, you're going to want to hear how that actually happened. It's it's crazy uh, how that happened. The Prophet, of course, then um, Wags on E! Uh, network, and then uh, Pretty Wild, and then also the Dance Scene E-Network, and then her first one, I believe it was her first one, was Treasure Detectives, uh, CNBC, and then Dirty Soap. It was another one of her uh, more, um, 
you know, one of the ones that she's did in the, in the very beginning when she got started. But again, her company is called Machete Productions. She got that name because she doesn't take no for an answer. And you'll hear her say that in here. And that is why she is successful. But it's not all been easy. And she's going to share with you exactly what that looked like. And also, it's fun just to kind of hear behind the scenes of what we don't hear in that short little window of time that they have on that TV show, The Prophet. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with my new friend, Amber Mazzola. Well, hey, Amber, this is awesome. I finally get to meet the woman behind Marcus <laughs> and the prophet and all of that right. stuff. And I get to watch you on TV and now we get to get to talk to you and kind of hear a little bit of behind the story uh, as far as your story. But thank you so much for taking time out of your day and uh, and coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. How's it going? Anyway? Thank you. It's going well. You mean in general with, with quarantine? In or? general. Yeah. <laughs> in general, how we're all locked up in our houses. Uh, it's going great. It's going really well. It's a lot of family time, a lot of, uh, you know, self-discovery, oh, but yeah. it's, it's going well. It's yeah. Going and well. I, I kind of want to dig into that a little bit later. We'll talk about like what this has done for like the production, like of a show. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, there's, there's some shows that we've watched my, my wife and I, Lisa, who you, you, uh, we've been in contact with. She's the one that reached out to you. Um, yes. but, uh, you know, we've been a fan of the profit and we've been a fan of other just shows, you know, like in general, we started watching one that's on Netflix. It's uh, uh Virgin river. Uh -huh. Um, it's a great, it's a great show. And we're like, Oh, we're waiting for the next season. And they're like, we're going to have to pause recording because of this, you know, the COVID-19. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to wait even longer, you know? Right. So right. I want to hear about that stuff. But more importantly, I wanted to hear not just about Marcus. I mean, everyone kind of knows Marcus. They know his backstory and all that stuff. But you've become a, a pretty, I think, big role in this show. And you guys doing like the recaps and kind of like digging into like what it's been like going through that business, hearing some stuff that you didn't hear on the show. So I want to hear more about you. Like how does Amber, you know, get a show that's broadcast on, you know, national TV. And that's, you know, like with Marcus Limonis and A-Rod and like all of these things, give us a little bit of a, of a backstory on Amber. And then I want to dig into some of the, some of the climb that it's been to get to where you are. Sure. Well, you know, it is, uh, the irony of this all is, is that I have never, I never balanced a checkbook before I started working on CNBC shows. So, yeah. so me and business was never, uh, was never put in the same sentence before these shows. Um, but yes, I, you know, I've had a, an odd sort of, you know, path I, I, as everyone does in business, I think. Sure. Um, it's never usually just a straight shot that's clear mm. and, <laughs> um, mm. and stays the course always. Um, yeah. You know, I started, I started in scripted a long time ago, um, you know, as a PA, worked my way up to a writer's assistant, then a writer. Um, and then there was this big writer strike and mm. I was not a work writer and I hated it. Mm. I was like, I can never be out of work. <laughs> this is awful. Mm. Um, and that is kind of when the reality unscripted boom hit. Um, and I, you know, I, I did a show. It was sort of half scripted. It was called Girls Behaving Badly with Chelsea Handler. Okay. Um, and it was a hidden camera prank show. And I would basically just write all the pranks for it, write all oh, the really? jokes. Yeah. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I did that for five years, five seasons. Um, uh, and, you know, at the end of that, I was in this weird sort of state. Do I continue to write or do I kind of launch into the unscripted world? And I went, you know, full course, not unscripted. Mm. And that's, that's interesting. Uh, 
yeah, that's a little bit of the backstory. I mean, you know, I, I had an English major and, and thought that I was maybe going to be a teacher or a lawyer. So really? I never really thought I was going to be a producer. Um, but I knew that when I saw my friends go through law school, I was like, you know what, that's not for me. That's too, uh, that's way too much studying and work. And uh, I knew I didn't want that. But so, okay. So like when you like, you're 18 years old, the world is like yours. What does Amber set out to be? Right. Ooh. Um, what does Amber set out to be? Well, okay. So uh, yeah, I, you know, I went to an all girls school for high school, you know, so okay. when I left that bubble of this private all girls mm. school, um, and I got into the real world, <laughs> I, I just kind of wanted to travel and get out there and, and do stuff that I haven't done. So I moved to New York okay. and I worked for uh, a show called Cosby. It was on CBS and it was uh, Bill Cosby. Oh, and wow. not the Cosby show. Mm -hmm. I'm not right. that old, but it was the yep. second one he did. Um, it, it was also with uh, with Felicia Rashad and Madeline Kahn, and it was based off a British sitcom called One Foot in the Grave. Mm. But it was a great show that went for seasons. But I started there as a PA in New York City, just doing you know all the grunt work, mm -hmm. getting coffee and doing runs in the city in Manhattan, and you know just sort of. I guess, you know, nothing you certainly need a college degree for, but, right. <laughs> but just to prove yourself and to work hard and show people you want to move up. And do you look back at that time as being like something that has added to what your, you know, somewhat of like your, your thread, I guess, or like what you are doing now in a sense of like, did it teach you anything going through that, that what you're taking from that to where you are now? Yes, for sure. I mean, for one, as far as all the PA work I did, you know, is getting coffees and getting lunches. Like I'm the type of person that even in, even running my own company, if I'm at Starbucks, I'll send a text to 10 people and say, Hey, what do you want? I'm here. What can I get you? Mm. So I think that those people skills and the skills of, um, of, you know, never being too good for anything, uh, mm. definitely carry through my whole career, mm. you know, cause I never, I sort of never had this arrogance. I think that, that I was better than anybody else. Mm. And uh, that's, that's, that, that's a huge deal. And it's like, what's the book, uh, how to win friends and influence people. It's like, you know, do good for others. And it doesn't matter how high you make it up on the ladder. It doesn't mean that you treat people differently. You kind of right. always remember where you come from. Um, so that's, right. yeah, that's, that's interesting. So, so you go to work here and are you starting to see the business side of it now? Are you starting to see like, are you starting to maybe see like what you would want to do at that point now? I mean, you're young at that time, right? I mean, you're young now too. I mean, so am I, I'm going to be 48. Not, so. not really. I'm always going to be young, right? So, <laughs> yes. um, but when you're there, it's like, you know, I mean, when I, I go back to when I was 18, 19 years old, I was working for my father's construction company, thought I was going to own that company one day, did not go that path. My path has went like so many zigs and zags, but it's taught me so much. Um, but like going through that, where was your, where was your first, like, I guess, move to where you thought that that was going to be your thing? You were like, okay, this is the direction for me. Um, as a company owner, would you say, or just in general with the business? Yeah, I, I would say that. like, because I mean, like you said, you've, you've taken so many zigs and so many zags yeah. probably to get to where you are. Was there something that you were doing that, and may, maybe that was it, right? Like there, but I guess, what was your next thing that you did after that? Yeah. So I, I love the creativity of, of it, you know, in mm. any, any facet of the business that I did, whether it was mm. scripted, unscripted, you know, I loved, you know, being creative. 
I loved being a freelance producer because I would go from job to job. And even though sometimes it was scary in the middle of like, what's my next job? I, mm-hmm. I sort of liked that thrill and I loved working for different productions and different people and mm-hmm. meeting a lot of people. And I'm, I, I am a people person and I do love mm-hmm. that part of, um, I love that part of the business. I think that's probably why for me as a writer, I didn't necessarily, I didn't stay that course because I felt writing to be, I don't know. I, I felt it at times just to be like a little, like, I don't know if lonely is the right word, but you, I mean, you have to really, you know, sit in a room and, and, and commit to like writing a script. And for me, I would rather be interacting with people and talking to people and interviewing people and, um, and just sort of out in the field, I guess, doing mm. more than, um, you know, sitting in a writer's room and, and writing and telling jokes. And um, it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, when I morphed into, into reality, um, I had, you know, I, again, was a freelance producer working on many different shows for many different networks. I was working for E! Entertainment for oh, a wow. long time and doing a lot of different shows for E! Um, years ago, <laughs> years ago, over 10 years ago, maybe 15. And there was a woman, uh, the head of the network, Lisa Berger, who took a liking to me and had said, you know, hey, have you ever thought of doing this on your own and, and doing and having your own company and, and I no was the answer I had never thought <laughs> that. I'm like what no I mean she goes well you're kind of doing it you know you're working yeah. for all these other companies but you're doing all the work you know you're 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 doing the pre-production you're doing the casting you're helping with the budgets you're you're out in the field shooting it you're editing it you're you're kind of wow. doing yeah. it all mm-hmm. so she gave me a shot um and you know, gave me a nugget, a kernel of an idea that I helped cast and develop and it became my first series. So really it was a woman at, at E that really sort of launched my production company, helped launch me. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, it's really a good point though, because you did something, you didn't actually see it in yourself and someone pointed it out to you. And then you're like, wow, I guess I am kind of doing this. I guess it's just not my company, but I'm doing it for someone else. Right. Uh, right. That's interesting. So, okay. And so now I'm starting to connect the dots. So you're like, you're, you're working, you're doing your thing, you're enjoying, you know, the production side of things and everything, but it wasn't your idea to start your own company ever. And then you're like, now this woman that you kind of look up to and she's already doing it. And she's like, Hey, you should do this. You're pretty good at it. And you're already kind of doing it. Right. 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 And Basically. so, yeah. So at that point, what was your first production? Your, your first on your own, yeah. like your first thing, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. And I guess also, what did that feel like? Like, was it scary? Uh, were you like doubting yourself? Like, cause we deal with a lot of self-doubt just in business or in life. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, for sure. Well, <clears throat> for one, I was about eight months pregnant with my oh, first God. kid. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, um, it was wild. I remember you know, and what we do is when we, when we put a pilot together, you know, we basically put not a whole show. We put it sort of a tease tape. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it's about, maybe it's 20 minutes, half the length okay. of the show together. And sort of, it's a little mini recreation of like what a show would look like, right? Mm-hmm. And we send that to the network and the network, all the, all the executives get in a big room and they screen all of the shows that, you know, um, have been produced to see what they want to pick for the next season. And it's usually like one or two or three shows that they pick. So we were done, we were done with the edit. We were like laying off our DVDs. And I remember just like 
you know, I was like so pregnant and so <laughs> and just, like driving this um, DVD to the screening because, you know, we had given it to them the night before and I got this call from another executive saying, Amber, the DVD doesn't play and yours oh, is going to be first up. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so I was just, I think I, you know, made other, other copies and I was driving like 80 miles an hour down the freeway just to get them. And you know, the, t the DVD and they like, stop, don't drive so fast. Like baby on board, baby on board. And I was like, career on the line. Like, oh, no, no, I got to get you this tape. Um, so it turned out that that was like, they ended up because it was late showing it last. Um, and it went over really well. And it was like the one or two uh, shows that were picked up for the whole season. So that was, um, that was really quite an accomplishment. My, my first time out doing it because it was, you know, I mean, for what it's worth, it's all these big companies, you know, in, mm. um, that are showing their tapes. And here I am, this like, you know, mom and pop shop, but I don't even think there's a pop part of it yet. You know, it's yeah. just me and, um, yeah. someone doing budgets for me and another person helping me produce. So once I, you know, I got that call that it was like greenlit. I remember them saying greenlit, basically they picked it up and it's going to go mm -hmm. to series. It was a show called Dirty Soap and it oh, was wow. soap opera stars um, for Eve. So it was fun. We had a couple girls from um, Days of Our Lives on it, a couple oh, girls okay. from, um, oh gosh, you know, a few other ones, uh, The Bold and the Beautiful, just um, some different general hospital. Um, and it was fun. It was like a docu-soap um, following the lives of these, you know, few different girls in their relationships that are on different soap mm -hmm. operas. So it was a fun show. And um, yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was a crazy time because here I was like, all of a sudden now I instantly had to build a company, you know, and I had just had a baby too. <laughs> so, That's nuts. Wow. So it, was, well, it was wild. Wow. Yeah. That, that I can, you get, you painted a pretty good picture there going 80 miles an hour with a DVD yes. and uh, trying to get there pregnant. and. Uh, yeah, that yeah. seems like a wild time, but probably exciting too. And then when you get the green light, you're like, wow, is this really happening? But then you probably thought, holy crap, now we got to produce this thing and we got to actually make this thing happen. Right, right. And I remember, um, I mean, and thank God for Lisa Berger, who was, who was, a, who was a woman who gets it, because I remember, um, I remember I then ended up having a C-section and it was like, I don't know, let's just say it was a Thursday they called and said, congratulations, your show's been picked up we want to have a call on Monday to like have a big launch. And I said, Oh, great. That's awesome. I'm, I'm having my baby tomorrow on Friday. I'll be on the call Monday. And Lisa was like, if you get on that call, I will pull this show from you. You will oh, absolutely no. not get on this call. You are building a company. You are hiring people you trust. They mm. can take the call. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> like what? Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, look, I mean, there's been a lot of lessons that I've had in business besides building one. It's also been hiring people that you truly trust, Ooh, you know, yeah. and not being a micromanager because I was, I was probably a really great micromanager at one point. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to let go like of yeah. those things, especially when, you know, like you think you're the only one that can do it as good as you, right? But there's probably other people that are better it's just hard sure. to let off the reins and especially in a time in your life that you were, you know, you landed something that's big. I mean, for you and for, yeah. you know, like this potential company that you're building. Uh, so you land this deal uh, and you get that up and running. Let me just back up though. So 
from what I'm hearing is like you're you were able to I, I always try to paint back the pit, you know, kind of paint the picture and kind of put the pieces yeah. together. So what I'm hearing is, you know, you started working in the industry, you showed off your skills that you started learning. Someone pointed out that you should probably own your own production company. You said it, okay, what the heck? We'll go ahead and we'll we'll pilot something. You pilot something and you get it. But also, and the thing that I I don't want to like gloss over is like I'm sure that. I can't just walk in right now and go, I'm going to launch something as a pilot to something. I'm just going to go launch it. There's got to be connections there. There's got to be networks there. There's got to be people that you've built relationships with over the time that you can do this unless I'm wrong because you're in the industry, you know people now. How do you get to be able to pitch something when someone off the street just can't walk in and just say, here are executive producers or, or um, you know, network you know, uh, people, go ahead and look at my stuff. Is, is that true or is there just a channel that you go through to do that? Well, look, I mean, I think a lot of people have pitched us off the street for sure. And there's been yeah. those crazy stories. No, for me, I, I definitely, as I was a producer working my way up, you know, through the ranks, mm -hmm. I, I had, you know, there's a lot of sweat equity. I, I traveled a lot. I had long hours. I worked with a lot of different executives on different shows, um, multiple seasons, you know, so I think I was in the trenches with people for so long that people yep. saw how hard I worked. Um, and again, back to my PA days, I think they saw that I was a person that would kind of do anything and I was like good to go and able to pinch hit and not say no. And um, I dealt really well with, with talent, um, you know, throughout the years. And so I think the executives start to see that. And as you start to work on, you know, I worked on, three Bravo shows, for example, you know, when you work okay. on Millionaire Matchmaker for Bravo, and then you work on Kathy Griffin for Bravo, and you mm. um, do Tori and Dean for, actually, that was Oxygen, but you keep working with these same mm -hmm. executives, you know, yeah. and then ultimately, by the way, these executives move to other, other networks. So an executive that's at Bravo one day is at Oxygen, and, it, and just being in the business, I think, for so long, you get to, you get to work with these same people, and really, they become your little family. You know, I say now that, like, so many people that I've grown up with in this business are, they're kind of everywhere. They're at multiple yeah. different networks. So that's personally how I was able to like open doors to pitch um, and to get in there and to show, you know, my skills. Yeah. And that's the, that's the important thing. I think for anyone that's either building a business or working themselves up, it's like your story didn't like, you didn't start something and then all of a sudden pitch something like you worked your way you grinded, you did yeah. the work, you got your foot in the door. Like you said, you'd go get coffee for people. You don't care. Just get me in, in the room. I just want to be in there with those people and build those relationships. And you're a likable person. So the minute you get in there, you're going to make friends and then you're going to be able to like, you know, pick people's brains and all of that stuff. And then I believe that your network is your net worth. I mean, I truly do. It's like the people you build a relationship with, it's going to help open doors for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's like you worked for it. Yeah. And you know what? That's a, that's a good point. I mean, I mean, I kind of always, I sort of forget like all the grunt work I did to get to where I am, yeah. you know, just because it was so long ago. But I remember there was a time where, you know, when I was an out of work writer and by the way, it was great. I was like 24 years old and I was a writer on a sitcom. Um, but then I was out of work and I was like walking John Lithgow's dogs for a living. And mm -hmm. like, you know, and it was like, well, okay. I, I mean, I knew that I wasn't going to be a professional dog walker, but I knew right. that like, this is what I had to do at that moment to like make money and still make connections, you sure. know, um, sure. and get the next thing. So yeah. and I had a lot of times where I feel like it was, you know, two step forward, one step back. I mean, because mm -hmm. by the way, after Dirty Soap, my very first show, 
um, it was canceled after one season. And so it, um, you know, and that's when we get into talk about the profit, it's an interesting story yeah. of how I got that. But it was, um, yeah, no, Dirty Soap was canceled. And after that, I was like, I was like, oh, great. I just built this little company and now I have no shows. So That's a great point. And I didn't know that that, <clears throat> that happened. That's why I love doing these kind of freestyle too. I don't like to do a lot of back, you know, back uh, checking and seeing like what you've done. I know some of it, but I like to learn that because that's important. You did this thing, you're on a high, you do the thing and then it gets canceled and then you're like, oh crap. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I got a company. I got people to feed now. Like if people are relying on me and my company and now I got to go find, you know, the next, you know, the next, you know, show or whatever. Right. How did that feel when you were like, you found out it's not going to be renewed. Like, take us through really that. Awful. It feels yeah. really awful. Yeah. You know, especially when you have an executive, you know, it's kind of like a breakup when they're like, it's not you, it's me. Oh, <laughs> it wow. feels really bad. You know, it's, um, yeah. I mean, you just sort of get the wind kicked out of you, you know, because mm. it's, um, you, like you said, you're on this high and mm. you are doing really well and people are like loving what you're doing and seeing and, and then the, it doesn't rate well, you know. Mm. Um, and then advertisers aren't going to want to buy in if it's not rating well. So mm. then the network cancels it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a big, it's a big blow to the ego. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what I hear a lot from people that are successful is number one, it's not overnight. Not number two, they get back up when they get hit down. Right. I just had John Gordon on that wrote the energy bus and the carpenter, great author. Right. And I had him on and he said he got 30 no's before someone picked up the energy bus, which the energy bus actually created his career that he has now, basically, you know, paving the path to get into, you know, being a team leader into like NFL and NBA and all of these big sports network or sports organizations. Right. He's had 30 no's, you know, 30 no's. Yeah. I've had a lot of no's. (laughs) I've had a lot of no's. I've had a lot of meetings, even before I had a company, I had a lot of, you know, when you're an executive producer, they call you a showrunner because you're hired to run the show, essentially. Uh-huh. I had a lot of showrunner meetings where I didn't get it, you know, where yeah. it was between me and another person and I didn't get it. I had a plethora of those, you know. Mm. Even yeah. when, you know, I'm on a network list, let's say, a small list of a network puts out and says, oh, we want to work with these people. You know, I've been on a lot of those lists throughout my life and I still don't get the job. So, mm-hmm. you know, now even as a company older, owner and I'm pitching shows, like, I get a lot of no's. I don't want that show. I don't like that show. <laughs> so it's yes. just, you have to hear no quite a bit. So if you, mm. you know, if you don't like the word no, you're probably not <laughs> <up. laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's, let's, let's move our way into the profit. Um, so tell us the, the story. Like, how does this, how does this happen? Uh, how did you come up with the idea or who came up with the idea? How did you bring it to, and how did you, you know, kind of set up the show to, to be what it is today? Okay, so I did not come up with the idea <laughs> at okay. all. So I don't, I don't want to take credit for the idea. But I, um, years ago, I worked for um, an executive named Jim Ackerman, who was um, overseeing VH1. Okay. And I had worked for him, you know, on a pilot. <laughs> and he left VH1 and went to CNBC to oversee, you know, CNBC at the time was a news network. They didn't have primetime television. Yep. So okay. he went to oversee NBC Prime. And said, um, you know, I want to, I want to bring you over here. I have the show. I would love for you, you know, to be the showrunner for it. And I said, oh no, 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 I'm not. Thank you, but I'm not a showrunner anymore. I own my own company. And uh, he said, well, what, you know, what shows do you have? 
And I said, oh, I have dirty soap. And he said, is that coming back? And I said, I don't know yet. We haven't been told because we hadn't, we didn't get the official cancel. And yeah. he said, okay, well, you know, keep me posted. So I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I own my own company now. I need to like sell shows. Like I can't go back right. to doing, you know, what I did. So he called again. <laughs> he said, so I heard Dirty Soap got canceled. Will you run the show for me? And I said, no, I, Jim, I can't. I need to work on my own company. He goes, listen, come with, work with me. Help me launch this network and do a show as a producer. And I will help you build your own company again. I'll help you like rebuild your company. Wow. So... Well, that was, you know, that's kind of an offer you can't really refuse. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, pretty sweet. Jim's a really, is a good guy, loyal, man of his word. And I, so it wasn't The Prophet, by the way. It was a show called Treasure Detectives. Uh, it was the okay. first show that launched on the network. Um, and it was called Treasure Detectives. And uh, that show also only went one season. But it was, um, it was, you know, probably at the time not really right for CNBC. But it was their first show. It was a great idea. It was, it was authenticating fakes and forgeries um and it you know um it is what it is but so i ended up going back and being a showrunner an executive producer for him for that show mm -hmm. and after that was over he said okay i have one more show that i want you to do this with and and help me out i was like jim you know you said you'll help me launch my own company and he said just please do this other show we have this great piece of talent um, and we have a production company that brought him, you know, us, but we don't really know the company that well. They're not really vetted. I, we've never worked with them. They're sort of this new company. Um, you know, will you, will you meet this guy? And I was like, oh, who is it? Like, what is this show? And he's like, oh, it's this guy, Marcus Limonis. And he's like telling me about Marcus. And I'm, I'm like, it's a business show? Like, no, this is, come on, this isn't for me. Like, I don't, I don't do business. Like, I don't, yeah. what is this? And he's like, no, 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 we need someone like you because, because you don't do business. So you'll find the human stories in this and, and you know, the stories and, and you're mm. a storyteller. So I said, okay, so I'll, I'll meet Marcus. <laughs> so I remember meeting Marcus. It was like this big party in, in New York um, celebrating like the launch of CNBC Prime. And here's Marcus like with his like little bow tie. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I hear you guys always make fun of the bow tie too. Always. That's how I first met him. And so when he introduced himself, I was like, are you kidding? I, I couldn't get past his bow tie. <laughs> like, no one in our business wears a bow tie. Um, and then it was like, you know, we were like a match made in heaven ever since I made fun of his bow tie. But it was, so I started the very first season of The Prophet. It was not my show as a company owner. I was a, the showrunner on it. I was an executive producer. Um, still helped with casting and the budget and did everything. Actually, I even formatted the show, um, you know, along with Marcus and the network. Mm -hmm. And it didn't, you know, didn't work out with the production, the, that production company um, with the network. It just didn't, it didn't, mm -hmm. they didn't jive. So Jim gave the show then to me and to my company. So from oh, season wow. two on, then I was the company behind the show, essentially. And so what is, what does that mean though? Just because we're not, I'm yeah. not into the, uh, you know, the the uh you know network in the production like what does that mean that your so your company takes over like everything then that means that you have all of the different parts that make it actually happen yes so basically when yeah a lot of people don't know this when when a sh when a um a show is done with a network mm -hmm. it's not a network that does the show in-house they mm -hmm. farm it out basically to a production company and the production company takes all the responsibility with the mm -hmm. legal the insurance um all of that. 
Okay. And so they're the ones that, that basically take on all the responsibility. And, and then in, in turn, um, you know, hire the people and, and do the pre-production, the production, and then the post-production and the editing and get it ready for air. So, mm. so I was the producer running the show in the field and doing all the day-to-day and, and dealing with the creative and dealing with markets and budgets and calendars, but it wasn't my company. So I wasn't the one that obviously held the insurance um, and, you know, the legal risk and, and everything mm-hmm. else, that all the fun stuff that comes with. Yeah owning a company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the risk. All the risk. Yeah. All the risk. The network doesn't want to take the risk. That's why they have production companies, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I just remember at the end of the first season, you know, Marcus and I really formed a really great relationship, you know, through the show and he began to really trust me and trust the process. And, mm-hmm. you know, I did as well. And so at the end of that, he was like, well, I'm not doing it without her. And I was basically like, well, I'm not doing it in this capacity again, because mm. again, I'm doing everything. And, um, you know, I want to build my own company again. So, mm. so then back to, you know, our loyal Jim Ackerman, he made it happen. Mm. He basically then essentially gave it to my company. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool. And you can just tell, I mean, I would ask you this question, but I think I already know the answer. Uh, Marcus seems like he is who he is on, on camera. I mean, he's, he's funny, snarky, but he seems like a really good guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I think that comes through, you can see sometimes other people, it doesn't, you're like, eh, that person isn't really like that, you right. know, but. Right. No. Yeah. With Marcus, it is what you see is what you get for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he is, you know, he always says he's the man of people. He really is. I mean, he's mm. also gonna, like he does on the show he rolls up his sleeves and gets his hands dirty. And so that's yeah. really true. That's not like the cameras go off and he's like, I mean, the yeah. cameras go off and he's actually still doing the work. So That's funny. Yeah. yeah I just actually watched the other one. You guys just, it just aired, I think with uh, Leno. Uh, right. Yeah. And that was good. That was a good one. And I liked it. Um, I don't know if it was a rerun or not. I thought it was new, but we had it DVR'd. But, um, but yeah, we watched it. And uh, yeah, that one, was, that one was good. It was interesting to hear Leno and put his little spin of comedy on it and stuff. How did you get Leno to do it? Was he just part of the network and then he agreed to it? Was it Marcus? Like, how did you guys get uh, Leno? Well, Leno has a show on the network. Uh, okay. Jay Leno's Garage, I yep. think it's called. Yep. So, and so one of the executives that is on our show as well as Leno's Garage um, help facilitate it. And gotcha. so, yeah, it was definitely through CNBC, but also, you know, Jay had a product that he wanted Marcus's opinion on and help with as well. You okay. know, big, big into cars. And so they had some, oh, yeah. like a like 180 theory. cars. Marcus is like, this isn't a garage. No. This is a, like a museum. And he goes, I have a garage. It's got two doors, put two cars in it. This has got like 180 cars. It's the most amazing thing I had ever seen. Yeah. Insane. It is it's insane. insane. Yeah. yeah, I like Jay though too. Jay's uh, Jay seems uh, good, and I've watched that show every now and then. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about now. Like, okay, you 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 land the show, you do one season. Marcus is kind of sold on you, really, and he's like, I I'm not doing it without without her. Mm-hmm. And then, so was it instantly renewed, or did you guys have to reposition or redo things to make? I mean, because I know you guys learned probably from the first run. Um, was there anything that was adjusted to go moving forward? How does that work? Yeah, well, the biggest thing was originally Marcus had kind of moved from Chicago to LA to shoot the show because it was like, oh. 
okay, the show, we're going to find LA businesses um, and it's going to be in LA. It'll, it'll save on the budget. We won't have to travel all around. Um, then towards the end of the show, we had two businesses that were not in LA, two New York businesses, Mr. Green mm-hmm. Tea and Car Cash, both okay. East yep. Coast. And so I would say the biggest shift in the second season was, okay, this isn't like you, you can't dictate what state you're going to be in. Like mm. wherever people need help is where, is where we're going to be, you yeah. know, and whatever business we choose is where we're going to be. So mm. that was the big shift in season two. And in season two, I think we were in Florida, LA, Chicago, New York, um, you know, a bit all over the place. Mm. That yeah, was a no, big shift. It, yeah. There wasn't much of a shift going from company to company. Cause quite honestly, even though it was a different company, I still had hired all the people that I wanted, you know, as far as mm. producers and editors, they were still like kind of all my people that I'd worked with for years. So mm. that meant, you know, nothing changed there as far as personnel. And so I got a couple other questions on like the show itself. What types of challenges do you face? Like, and I'm sure you could, I mean, there's probably a plethora yeah. of them too. It's like, well, there's every day there's something, right? But what are some challenges uh, that have been with that, that show? Is it the businesses? And then, you know, basically, you know, because uh, I mean, it, it, it looks like it could get pretty ugly at times. Yeah. Yeah. So what's oh, been God. some challenges there? Yeah. Well, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> where do I start with the challenges? I would say, so one of the challenges while filming these businesses is that because it's really happening and it's really happening in real time and Marcus mm. is really putting his money and we're really doing transformations. We, we don't stay at one business for, you know, a week or two weeks mm. of shooting. We will go to one business for a couple of days and then leave and go start another business and then leave and go start another business. So one of the challenges are when we leave, I think businesses are like, what <laughs> what just happened like Marcus and his crew just like came in like a, you know like a hurricane and, and made some like fast changes and left um that's always been hard for the businesses is that we're you know we always have some one of our producers that still talks to them when we leave but it's almost like they don't know like almost like some of them don't know what to do when we leave you know they mm. just feel like they, they didn't know that Marcus was going to leave and come back. They just thought he would just be there forever. Mm. Um, but that's always a challenge. I think that we deal with, with the businesses. Mm. Um, and, and so are yeah. they, are they reaching back out to you, the produce, the other producers, uh, Marcus himself? Like, because I could see that like happening too. like Marcus comes in and says, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I'm in full control, you know, whatever. And then it's kind of like, there's all this stuff. Like, are you guys still there helping to manage and maneuver things or is it really strictly just on them and then hopefully they got their homework done? A little bit of both, you know, cause Marcus is really clear on what he wants done when he leaves and what he wants yeah. to see when he comes back. So yep. he, you know, some of it is definitely on them. Some of it is on us or Marcus cause sometimes they need money to make it happen or sure. so we're, we are, you know, daily, you know, multiple times a day communication with them even when we leave, but mm. it still is always a challenge when, you know, when Marcus is there, they all feel kind of safe and good and know that like change is happening. But when he mm. leaves, they're like, a, they get a little insecure. Mm. Uh, another big, big challenge is, is that Marcus is one person, you know, and yeah. Marcus doesn't even have an assistant. So here is a guy that like has not only camping world, but like hundreds of businesses um, and manages his own calendar. 
So it's like, that's crazy. So that's a challenge because, you know, he, again, he's only one person. And, um, and why, why does he choose to do that? I'm just curious. I mean, he could get an assistant, right? He can afford one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can. Um, you know, I'd like to say at first I'd probably laugh and say, "Oh, he's a control freak. He just needs to be in control yeah. of everything." But yeah. and by the way, partially that's partially true, right? I don't think sure. you're going to be that successful if you don't have a little bit of a control nature to you, right? Yeah. But yeah. Um, but I also think he likes to. He really and truly likes to be that contact person and likes to know mm. firsthand what's happening mm. um, and just feels he can affect change better that way. Mm. So that makes sense. It does. I mean, it gets, look, it's hard now, you know, we've yeah. done over a hundred businesses on the show and that's wow. just our show. So, wow. you know, he's, he's got other ones besides us. <laughs> yeah. That he's doing. It was funny. We were watching the car cash mm -hmm. one the other night, uh, the, the follow-up one. Oh my gosh. Even when I went back and watched it again of the highlights, I don't know how you guys stuck it out with that one brother. It was like, holy mackerel. I'm like, yeah, this guy is so brutal to his brother. And that's gotta, that's gotta kill Marcus. Cause I know he's a people and he's like, you don't treat anyone like that. Oh my gosh. That was a tough one to watch actually. Yeah. And that was one of our very first ones. You know, we, yeah. well, we aired that first, but it wasn't our, I think we aired that first. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. It was one of the you know, first season. Yeah, no, that's hard. I think about a lot of times, like that's, I'd say our challenges is that when you get mm. there and, you know, people present themselves a certain way on a casting sure. tape, right? Then mm. when you get there, there are these different dynamics that might make great TV, but like it does sting a little when you're there. And, and mm. yeah, he is a people person. And Marcus also doesn't love when family members work together. And he has his mm. reasons for that, even though yeah. we yeah. do a lot of family business. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So then, then take, take me through this real quick. The, the casting process, like, so someone pitches it, how does it work? Like, how does that, like, how, how does, does he select them or does the, the, you know, does the network, you know, who, who actually, you know, selects the business? Okay. So, so my company actually is in charge of casting as well. And what, what happens is, is every time you see a show, right, there's a, a slug in, in an episode that says, mm -hmm. if you, or a friend of yours has a business they yep. need to help, please log on to blah, blah, blah. Um, and so we, we get all these applications and we have a casting team that goes through all of these applications. There's thousands of them. Okay. Um, and basically, you know, every year there's like a, a weeding, you weed them out depending on various things, whether it's sure. like, okay, this year we're not doing a pizza business. We've done three or, mm -hmm. you know, we're not doing, uh, you know, candles whatever so right 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 <laughs> we will um we will look for certain criteria that marcus likes and marcus wants and mm -hmm. and then we present it to marcus and the network and you know everyone sort of weighs in of what they like and mm -hmm. marcus always has the final say of course because it's his oh, money okay. <laughs> yeah 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 i guess that has something to do with it, right <laughs> when, yes when it's like a great character or so you know because of course i come at it from a different sure angle like yeah. i want good tv um, and so if there's someone with like, I think is going to make amazing TV, I'll always try to push it a little harder. Mm. Sometimes it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're going to be wrapping up. I know I've taken up a lot of your time. This is interesting. I always like to hear the backstory. Number one, thanks yeah. for sharing your, your story personally and how you've arrived to where you are. I think it's amazing. I think just for, um, also busy moms out there who are building companies, mm -hmm. I think you're, uh, your inspiration for that. Um, I do have a, a question for you on that. How do you okay. balance? 
work and how do you balance family? Because you've got, you got two kids? Two kids, yeah. Two kids. What are the ages? Yeah. Uh, two and eight. Two and eight. Busy, busy. <laughs> busy mom. Like, how do you, ba- how do you balance that? Because I think I, I read, it, it might have been in one of your Instagram posts, you're like, it might have been like Mompreneur Day or something like that, where it was kind of like oh, right. how I struggle with not feeling guilty because yes. I'm not with my kids. And then when I'm with my kids, I'm thinking about something else that I should be doing. And that's a constant struggle, I think, for any entrepreneur is kind of like, I want to be present, but right. I also am thinking about everything I want to do. Right. How do you, how do you balance that? It's hard. It's really, it's really hard. You know, it's, uh, so it's funny because you're asking me this question now because I have a different opinion of how I'm going to balance it moving forward when I get back to work mm-hmm. versus how I was balancing it. I mean, you know, I think that like when I have kids, you just have less time for, you have less time for things. So you need to like really kind of plan better and plan yeah. your day. So yeah. it's funny when you and I were texting earlier, I was on my, my walk. I was extra, I was hiking because yeah. I knew that like, this is my moment. Yep. in time. <laughs> this yep. is my moment in the day. And if I don't do it in this window, it's not going to happen the rest of the day because, mm-hmm. you know, there's just, there's a lot going on. Um, mm-hmm. I make sure when I travel that I don't travel for longer than 48 hours. Um, mm-hmm. That's the longest I'm gone. Otherwise I will take them with me, which is not always practical. Um, but I make sure that as I'm saying this, by the way, I have one kid like tiptoeing around here in the background. Um, but yeah, no, I, I try to, I make sure that when I travel for a show, it's, it's, it's only, um, I'm not gone for very long. Mm -hmm. Um, I do miss dinner a lot, you know, because I work till like seven o'clock. So I come Mm -hmm. home and I I miss dinner and bedtime often, Mm -hmm. which I don't love. Um, so it's been a hard struggle, especially building a business for sure. There's always mm-hmm. something that suffers and, you know, it's, it's usually, uh, it's usually my relationships more mm-hmm. than, you know, more than my kids or my, you know, my business. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny that you asked that because now in, in quarantine, sorry, my kids in the background, right? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, hey, we're now, in quarantine. Yes. Right. I know. So home after this call, homeschooling starts. Um, I would say that the, the change that I'm going to make is, um, I'm going to get to work earlier and I'm going to leave at five o'clock every day because Mm. I think that like nothing, nothing amazing happens after 5 PM, quite honestly. So there's no reason that I can't leave and have dinner and do bedtime and, and be a part of that and still get all my work done during the day. So yeah. It, it is prioritizing. I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, it's simplifying and then it's getting your things in order and then getting them done. And uh, yeah, I think if you schedule it, you'll get it done. If it doesn't get scheduled, it won't get done. Uh, but I, I agree. I mean, that workout thing is like important. And like, I think for anybody that's busy, they can't see how you can fit that in, but it might be getting up early. It might be, you know, taking that on your lunch break, whatever, but it's so important. And, and I know that you've really gotten kind of health conscious here lately yeah. and, you know, you've made a, a great transformation. So if people are watching this, they'll, they'll probably see it from, from the show to where you are now. I just want to congratulate you on that. And it's just a, a great transformation. You look great. Thank you. Um, thank you. And I'm sure you feel really good too, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, yes. Um, so yeah, I just, again, I wanted to say, I think it's important for people to get those priorities in place and family is, I don't know for me. And it sounds like for you too, it's really important. Uh, I told you I'm 47, going to be 48. I've got three kids. I've got a 12 year old, a 22 year old and a 24 year old who's about ready to have a baby. So I'm going to be a grandfather. 
So I got married when I was young, you know, been married 26 years. So, oh, uh, but that's, that's everything to me. When I started my business, it was to, to make sure that I didn't miss the little league. I didn't miss those right. things, but it's tough because as an entrepreneur, there's no end. You can keep going. Right. Yeah. And that's an important thing, by the way. That's one of the reasons I did, you know, I didn't know when I started my business cause I was just pregnant, but sure. now you're right. I mean, I make the little league games and it's, it's yep. I'm so blessed to be able mm. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can't, we can't go back in time and, and fix that okay. one. So uh, yeah, we want to make sure we do that. All right. So I'm going to let you go. I got one other question though. I think people okay. are going to, they're, they're going to want to know this too. And okay. this is something just kind of random. Do you ever get free uh, advice from Marcus on business? All the time, even when I don't want it. <laughs> you call it free advice. I call it him being annoying. Really? He's being annoying just by telling you these different things. You should do this. You should do that. Oh, you got to do that. He has so many opinions, Scott, of what I could do, what I could do different, what I, how I've messed up. You know what? He's, um, it's funny because I would always say to him, oh, you don't know entertainment. You don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. But like, yeah. he does. He, he, yeah. knows, he knows what he's talking about. Um, but funny. yes, I get free business advice whether I want it or I don't. Yeah, it's kind of like that uh, that father that just keeps giving you the advice. And you're like, I don't need it anymore, and they're that's like, right. I'm going to still keep giving it to you. Uh, that's right. That, yes. That's so that's so funny. <laughs> All right, la last thing. I promise this because yeah, what, what I always talk about with people, I actually wrote a book called The Take Action Effect, and it's basically mm -hmm. about the moments in your life that make a difference. Like you, you took a ch chance, you took a leap of faith. Is there something? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but is there something that comes to mind that you're like, man, if that never happened? I never would have been where I am. Like there's that, there's like, like a moment that something happened. And I'll just give you an example for me. Like if I never, if I never uh, seen that my father's partnership was going sour, I never would have uh, asked my wife if we could start a business together years ago. And we started a photography business. And then that, you know, kind of like was a leap of faith, but then that changed our life forever um, in that. Is there something that comes to mind for you? Well, I would, yeah, I would say for me, if I never took that step backwards, um, you know, once I had my production company and I lost the show, if I never took that step backwards to be a showrunner again, I would have never gotten this. I would have never had Ooh. eight seasons of The Prophet and over a hundred episodes and built a business, you know, and that's through actually, The Prophet, you, I've done many other shows. So. That's really good that you actually highlighted that. I kind of, I seen it, but I didn't see it, but now I do. So you kind of swallowed a little bit of your ego there for a minute. You're like, wait a minute, I'm yeah. building a company. I'm not doing a showrunner thing. I did that before. I'm not doing it. And then you right. do it. And then that right. is what got you to where you are. And if you didn't do that, who knows where you'd be? Right. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. Sure. Okay. So thank you so much, Amber, for yeah. sharing that. Is there any, uh, any other uh, bits of advice or anything you want to share with anyone before we wrap up? Because I know you're busy and you got to do some homeschool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, you know, I guess you, you kind of nailed it earlier. I think the, the never give up um, attitude and don't be afraid of the word no is really, you know, <laughs> I would say that one of the things that Marcus and I have in common, we have a few things in common, but one of the things is that we, we don't like the word no. <laughs> We're not scared mm. of it, but we don't take no for an answer. And mm. you just keep going, you know, you just kind of keep persevering. Yeah, keep, keep going. If you want it bad enough, you keep going. Right. Right. That, that's the key. All right, cool. So yeah. um, how can people uh, learn more about you or uh, where would you like to send people if they want to they learn, learn more about Amber or oh, the sure. show or any of that I stuff? I mean, yeah. Um, 
I, I need to be better at it, but I'm on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Amber underscore Mazzola. And I have, um, I'm not very active on Twitter. And we have a website, machetetv.com. Yeah, I checked that out. Yeah, yeah. nice. It's a nice We're looking site. It. It's going to be better. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Amber, thank you so much for taking thank time you. out of your out of your schedule. And even though we're quarantined, I'm sure you're busy as ever just because you've got a lot of uh, plates spinning. So I just want to say thank you so much. Thanks so much for doing the show too. It's uh it's been amazing and we're uh we're avid watchers and uh and uh supporters of the show. We think it's great and uh yeah, just wanted to say yeah, thank you and, and I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for reaching out to me. She's great too. Oh, I will. Thank yeah. you. And we'll be watching. It's season perfect. season eight. Is it season eight coming? Season eight. Yes. Season eight. And I think oh, the last one I watched. Never asked as, me about A-Rod. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. Okay. Time out. We got to go back in real quick. Okay. Okay. How did we land A-Rod here? Cause I'm a Yankees fan. I'm originally from upstate New York. Oh um, yeah. We're, we're outside of uh, Albany. We're, uh, we're basically in Saratoga Springs area. Okay. Um, and now we're in South Carolina. We moved about three and a half years ago. Um, but A-Rod, I mean, I've watched him when he was with Seattle and then he came over to the Yankees and I'm a Yankee fan. So tell us about A-Rod. Okay. So A-Rod, <clears throat> so A-Rod was, it's a funny story. I was, um, uh, yeah, oh gosh, I was doing a show for E, another show for E called WAGS, Wives and Girlfriends of Professional Athletes. Um, and that was a franchise. And we had this girl at the time that was uh, dating A-Rod. This is way okay. before J-Lo. Okay. Um, okay. And I remember, oh, it was Tori Wilson, I think her name was. She was a, okay. um, yeah. yeah. And I remember meeting with her and saying, oh, we want to, um, we'd love to have you on our show. And she said, well, you know, my boyfriend kind of wants to meet with you and talk to you about it and, and find out the gist. So I was like, okay, great. So I met with him and he, he couldn't be bothered. He was like, I remember he had his sunglasses on the whole time. He was like, not interested in the show. I mean, why would he be? I get it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Billy E. show about the wives of athletes oh, and no. their girlfriends. And finally he said, so what kind of shows have you done? And I said, oh, I'm, you know, done. I'm doing this show called The Prophet. And then all of a sudden he took his sunglasses off and he's like, I love The Prophet. I love really? Marcus. I went to high school with Marcus. We were different years, but we know each other through friends in Miami. I was like, really? Wow. Um, so long story short, I got this email back, you know, a week later that said, you know, basically Alex is passing on this show, but um, he loves the prophet. We'd love to talk to you about profit. So I, you know, got maintained this relationship for a few years then with Alex. And like, while he was playing, we were talking about, you know, the prophet, if there was maybe anything he could do with the prophet or maybe mm -hmm. his own thing. Um, even had meetings with like Marcus and Alex. Um, and so it turned out that when, you know, we had this other idea for CNBC, which was like Michael Strahan and I, um, mm. we were like, well, what about Alex? Like he's mm. not playing anymore and he's this huge business guy. And yeah. you know, what about him? And he had mm. just like, you know, sort of revamped his image. And, um, and so we, yeah, so that's sort of where back in the game, you know, how it kind of came to be. And so is there just the one episode that was done? Mm -mm. No. no. We did five. We did five episodes. Okay. Um, oh yeah. No. Okay. That's right. I did. I watched. The, I watched two of them, but I thought I was waiting for more, and I wasn't. They weren't coming in for some reason. But okay, there's uh, five. Okay. I, I watched Holyfield, and then yes. um, oh gosh, I forget now. It's slipping my mind. The one that I did. Um, was there an Olympic Maybe. athlete? 
Yeah, so Ryan Lochte. That's Holy it. Field. We yep. did Joe Smith, the basketball player. Um, then we okay. did, some, did Brian Dunkelman and um, Nicole Eggers. Okay, okay. I'll have to go back and watch them then because I, I didn't realize that those were, those were, I think I only watched two or three. But yeah. th- I thought it was great. Um, so where are we at with that now? We'll probably be doing more of those as well. Okay. So we're just waiting for a lot of this uh, stuff to get lifted here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. So how was it working with A-Rod? Be, be real. Be real. Come on. He is such a professional. It is. Yeah. Um, he's great. I mean, he yeah. really is great. And it's not bad when, you know, J-Lo shows up on set either. <laughs> yeah. I, that can be amazing. Yeah. That's, awesome. that's really. Everyone's scared when she shows up on set, but it's great. <laughs> that's hysterical. Oh, wow. And where are you usually filming them? Are they in Miami? Uh. Some, some Miami, again, it's, it's sort of wherever the person gotcha. is. Most of these athletes or celebrities would live in like LA, Miami, or New York. So, okay. Um, so again, that, that was led from the show that you were pitching to his girlfriend at the time, who's not girlfriend with him anymore with JLo. And that led you to A-Rod and then A-Rod loved the profit. And now the profit, that's yeah, how it all works. It's a common theme. Nothing ever starts off as, as it, as you think it's going to. It never does. It never no. does. Uh, that's, no. that's awesome. Well, thanks for bringing that back up. I didn't want to take up more of your time, but seeing that you were willing to share that story, I appreciate it. Well, I'm really dreading homeschool. So if, anytime you want to talk, just let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amber, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I will be tuning in to, uh, to your shows uh, that you're producing. Right. And uh, I just, I'm a big fan of, of Marcus, of you and everything that you're creating. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for coming on. All right, thank you. All right, well, I wasn't kidding, right? She's awesome. It was great to have her on and share some of the behind the scenes, but also more importantly, I just love to hear how someone like that, that you would look at, oh my gosh, they're on TV, they're super successful, and she is. But you also hear us talk about priorities and how she's reshifting what she's doing in her life right now, right? She's got two young kids. She's restructuring her schedule and prioritizing because it doesn't have to be that way. And she knows that, and she's taking control of that. But you can see, you know, to get there, it's not always an easy, an easy ride. And you gotta be able to really just keep showing up and grinding, but you can also do that and have a family at the same time. I just love how she shared the story of her, you know, going 80 miles an hour with her DVD to her first pitch and, uh, and just that whole thing and how it unfolded, but then also how it seems so great. And then all of a sudden it wasn't renewed for the next season. And now she's like feeling like, oh my gosh, how do I, how do I, you know, keep going here? How do I pitch more ideas? I got a, a, a company to support now when before I didn't. So it's just really interesting to see how people are led by the actions they take. And it will figure itself out, but you got to keep taking action as Amber did here as well. All right, guys. So hopefully you enjoyed that. That is going to wrap up this interview and this episode of the podcast. As always, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Now go get them.